Welcome, and thank you for joining this conversation on taxonomy. Uh, my name is Andy Moody, and I will be uh, your host for this session. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the head of disputes and a partner in um, Baker McKenzie's London office. Uh, I also um, chair what we call the Energy Mining and Infrastructure Group uh, for the EMEA region. So I am joined today and delighted to introduce uh, William James Kettlewell, who is an associate based in our Brussels office uh, and is a core member of our energy group uh, in the Brussels office. So William James advises businesses extensively on European-wide energy, climate, and sustainability issues. His engineering background brings a novel perspective on legal matters, as well as a practical understanding of energy and climate policies with specific knowledge in the EU ETS hydrogen markets and EU taxonomy. So welcome, William James. Uh, so Thanks for having me. Great. So William James and I are going to uh, talk about the topic of gas, hydrogen, and other fuels under the EU taxonomy. Now, in a nutshell, just to give you a bit of background, those of you joining and may need a little refresher, uh, the EU taxonomy is a mechanism that aims to accelerate European energy transition to a low carbon economy. It is the foundational system on which to classify an activity as sustainable for the next steps of the initiative that relate to reforming our financial system and public and private investment practices. Now, the taxonomy mechanism is now the basis on which the EU will select investments eligible to receive funds from the European Green Deal Investment Plan, which is aimed at mobilizing over 1 trillion of sustainable investment between 2020 and 2030. So for the gas, hydrogen and other fuel companies operating in what is a rapidly evolving commercial context here in Europe, um, taxonomy sets out limitations to what activities are counted as sustainable or not, uh, which directly impacts then on various business strategies. And it also provides opportunities for substantial business development, you know, for those companies that know how to pull the various EU levers. Uh, in, in other words, in short, the, the taxonomy rules are what make it clear what is a sustainable investment or not. But we are going to hear a lot more about that, uh, hopefully uh, in the conversation that William James and I are now about to have. So uh, with that sort of segue, William James, um, I, I want to dive straight in into uh, a, a few questions. Uh, and first is um, to ask you, is natural gas sustainable? So that, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? And, and before I answer the question directly, I think it's just worth spending one minute on in disentangling the different meaning of what sustainable, you know, renewable, good for climate, all of these terms can mean under EU law. Um, to say that something is sustainable under the EU taxonomy is not the same thing as saying that it is renewable under the Renewable Energy Directive or that it is going to, you know, meet the... 
uh, it is compatible with the EU climate law. All of these different terms have specific meaning and specific advantages for companies to try and you know, target. So being sustainable under the EU taxonomy will mean that an investment in you know, the sustainable and we'll get to it, activity um, can be done with green funds, private green funds. So the benefit specifically related to being sustainable under the taxonomy is that the activity that is sustainable can be financed with green funds. Um, it provides benefits in terms of reporting for the company that carries out the activity under a number of reporting frameworks that are either currently applicable or upcoming uh, under the EU Green Deal initiatives. And also it has a number of advantages in terms of receiving public funding because the taxonomy analysis has now been um, linked to the state aid analysis that the commission has to carry out for energy or climate related investments that are supported by national public funds. So that, that's, that's really what we're talking about when we're discussing whether a particular activity or a particular fuel is sustainable under the taxonomy. We are not, for example, discussing um, whether natural gas will be supported by member states in order to reach EU targets. Uh, we are not discussing anything like that. So to answer now the, the specific question, is natural gas sustainable? The, strictly speaking, the answer is no, because the EU focuses, the EU taxonomy, sorry, focuses on activities. It does not, you know, list or cover any products. It does not cover energy types. So strictly speaking, natural gas as, as a commodity cannot be sustainable or not sustainable. So the, really the question should be, um, is a given activity involving natural gas sustainable or not? And of course, the one that we're, we're thinking about is, is energy production based on natural gas sustainable on the taxonomy? And the answer to that question is, is it, is it cautious? It can be, but under certain conditions, and it still needs to be confirmed. So what do I mean by that? Um, first, in terms of timing, as we speak, uh, there has been a vote by the EU Parliament trying to object to the proposal that the Commission has made to include specific natural gas related activities under the EU taxonomy. From a, skipping over all of the procedural complexity, this means essentially that we are still waiting for a final potential veto by the EU Parliament that could destroy the, the legal act that the Commission has tabled, wherein all of the natural gas related activities are in. So if, the, if there's no veto, then natural gas related activities are under the EU taxonomy and can be sustainable under specific conditions. If uh, in the upcoming weeks, the Parliament vetoes the Commission's proposal, then you have essentially no way for natural gas related activities to be sustainable under the EU taxonomy. So assuming that the parliament does not veto natural gas, the, the legal act that includes all the natural gas related activities. In that case, the production of energy in the form of electricity production, in the form of uh, cogeneration, combined heat and power, all of those are essentially included in the taxonomy quote unquote list, but on the very stringent condition. This isn't by no means, you know, a blank check that the EU is giving to all natural gas activities. The first, the first option for natural gas energy production to be deemed sustainable is for it to have life cycle greenhouse gas emissions lower than 100 grams of CO2 per kilowatt hour. That, that can be a bit abstract. So just to give you some, an example, 
the life cycle emissions of some of the worst solar panels, so typically considered green, very climate friendly, uh, can reach 70 grams of CO2 per kilowatt hour on a life cycle basis. So you're really talking about an extremely low threshold that unless you have carbon capture and storage and blending with low carbon gas and, and all sorts of abatement strategy, you're very unlikely or essentially impossible for, for your natural gas turbine to reach uh, such a low threshold in terms of emissions. That's the first option. The second option is essentially a, a, a list of, of scenarios under which natural gas would participate to the call to gas switch that the commission had in mind when it was drafting these criteria, which just is worth noting, was prior to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, the increase in gas prices and the political objective by the EU to move away from gas. But so under these scenarios, if your direct emissions are lower than 270 grams of CO2 per kilowatt hour, or if you have a 20 year average, you know, if you're within a 20 year average budget of CO2, um, that is equivalent to 550 kilograms of CO2 per kilowatt. So depending on the size of the installation. And if you're part, you know, in a region that that is carrying out the coal phase out, that it, and that you're, the plant that you're replacing, the coal plant that you're replacing, cannot be replaced for, uh, for technical reasons by renewable energy. And if your plant, you know, I'm, I'm not there's a lot of reasons. and. This. Yeah, there's, there's all a lot of and, but you know, just to just to keep, you know finish. And if you uh, have uh, by replacing your coal plant with your gas plant a 55% reduction in CO2. And lastly, if your plant is future proof, i.e., if you can use it with renewable uh, or low carbon gas fuels, then you will be sustainable. So, as I said, a yes, but the most timid yes you can think of. It's really, really difficult for uh, a natural gas company to contemplate uh, meeting all of these requirements. And, and if that's the case, can you give an, us an example then of, uh, of something which is very easy to characterize as being sustainable? Well, for example, uh, as you might expect, production of electricity with solar panels will almost always qualify as sustainable. Um, we, we, you know, the, the production of uh, biofuels is slightly harder, but uh, there are numbers of companies that, you know, the, the requirement, there are a number of requirements, but multiple companies can achieve them. Uh, they're not unrealistic. Uh, they're just, you know, trying to ensure, for example, that your uh, land use is appropriate when you're producing biofuels. So, all of the traditional energy types that you're thinking of will easily qualify as sustainable under the EU taxonomy. And, and really what the commission has tried to do with natural gas is provide a yes, but that is so difficult to reach that um, you know, it, it makes for a, a good political compromise, but maybe not for good business sense. Presumably even before the price difficulties that exist now with well, and availability, given the issues with gas following the Russia-Ukraine war, it would have made it incredibly expensive for gas, natural gas to be. Once you go through all the different ands and steps that you were just talking about, just so I understand this, that you're, you're in effect saying it would be incredibly expensive for natural gas to go through all of those hoops, for, or for a company to get their natural gas to that stage where it would uh, be able to qualify as sustainable. Is that, is that a fair summary? 
very expensive. That's one point. And, and that relates to, for example, the fact that you have to use, uh, you have to you know, design your turbine so that it's future-proof. Huh? So you have to be able to use, for example, low-carbon hydrogen, or you have to be able to use low-carbon uh, biogas. Mm-hmm. But in addition to very expensive, I think it's, it's going to be you know, organizationally very complex because you have to strategize about, oh, there's a, you know, Poland is retiring a coal plant. Then I can you know, put a gas plant there and it you know, will fulfill the condition of a one-for-one replacement for the coal phase out. Uh, so it's both expensive and complex. Right. So, okay, well, that, that neatly transitions us to my next question, which um, you mentioned hydrogen. Uh, and you know, hydrogen is held out as the great hope for the future in many respects, um, in terms of its potential as a m- more readily used um, fuel. Or you tell me I'm wrong on that if I if I am wrong, but that's my understanding. So, but what what I what I'd like to kind of get from you is is you, you, there's lots of discussion of different types of hydrogen. And I'd be grateful if you could just explain a little bit about what types of hydrogen uh, are are, uh, or would qualify as being sustainable. Yes, so absolutely. And hydrogen is is really seen more and more as as a big um, piece of the puzzle for achieving net uh, carbon neutrality. Uh, and you know, it's, simplistically, you could even say, "Oh, we'll transition from natural gas to hydrogen," even though that's not, you know, quite true. It's it's a useful concept to map that we will keep using molecules. It's just not going to be natural gas anymore. It's going to be uh, hydrogen and maybe biogas. Um, you're absolutely right. There's there's a whole plethora of, of uh, types of hydrogen. I mean, if you've, I mean, our listeners have almost certainly heard of green hydrogen, blue hydrogen, maybe turquoise hydrogen. There's also yellow and pink hydrogen. Um, all of those essentially refer to specific ways of producing the hydrogen. So uh, typically green hydrogen will refer to renew, you know, hydrogen from renewable sources, such as PV panels, wind turbines, and so on. Blue hydrogen will refer to um, uh, you know, natural gas-based hydrogen, but using carbon capture and storage. Um, yellow hydrogen will often refer to uh, hydrogen produced using nuclear energy. All of those colors are completely sidestepped by the EU taxonomy. None, none of those matter. They're, they're not referred, they're not uh, even mentioned in recital. Uh, that is not the approach that the, the EU taxonomy has taken. Instead, um, as is kind of a theme throughout all the EU taxonomy, they try and refer to specific threshold in terms of life cycle greenhouse gas emissions. So. The, the specific, in, in terms, again, so we're, the taxonomy focuses on activities. So if you're talking about hydrogen, the production of hydrogen is one activity that can be sustainable uh, under the threshold that I'm going to talk about in just a minute. The consumption of hydrogen, so if you're using hydrogen for producing electricity, for example, that could be sustainable as well. The transport, the storage of hydrogen, all of that are activities which are included and all have specific and distinct conditions to be sustainable. But for almost all of these activities, you know, you have to consume, transport, and store sustainable hydrogen within the meaning of taxonomy, which is hydrogen whose life cycle emissions are lower than three tons of CO2 per ton of hydrogen. Again, quite an abstract threshold. Um, to, to, to give you an example, that essentially means that all green hydrogen, so all hydrogen that is uh, produced using solar panels, even the, you know, even the ones who have the worst climate score, uh, all wind turbines producing hydrogen, 
essentially all nuclear-based hydrogen uh, will be sustainable, so we'll qualify under this threshold. Mm -hmm. um, with respect to blue hydrogen, that will strongly depend on two factors, how much methane leakage you have. So throughout the supply chain, you've used natural gas, that natural gas has a certain rate of methane leakage through the pipes and, and that extraction. Uh, that is counted within the life cycle approach huh, that, that the taxonomy takes. Um, and if that is too high, because methane emissions, as, as obviously may know, have, is much more potent in terms of greenhouse gas, so it's much worse for the climate than, than CO2. Um, so if you have too much methane leakage, you're not, never going to be able to reach that threshold, even if your uh, carbon capture and storage is, is top notch. Um, and the other factors I've just mentioned essentially is so how good your carbon capture and storage installations are. If they're if they're the best in the market and they achieve you know 96% carbon removal uh, and your, your methane leakage is low enough, then potentially you may be able to reach a threshold, although it, it, it may be difficult. Um, and and you know this threshold that I'm talking about has to be verified by an independent third party according to specific methodologies to, to count uh, as as being you know sustainable hydrogen. And I mean, that's an interesting point in terms of the, the, the third party being involved to, to sort of sign off on all of this. And, and it, it is, um, it, 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 in order for that third party to be able to be qualified to, to, to take that decision, uh, who do they give, you know, do they fill in forms in order to, to, to say this is all fine or do, how, does that, how does that work, do you know? So that was that is one of the big question marks of the framework, um, and, and it's, it's not the only one. The, the, the EU taxonomy was really designed by, uh, you know, the, the criteria were really thought through to the nth degree, and at the end they kind of forgot about some of the practical aspects. And indeed, all the law requires is an independent third party. It could be, I mean, it could be an accountant without any qualifications at all uh, in in yeah. technical aspects of the engineering calculation, but reasonably. You would expect that you know the, the the independent third party would have the qualification and the knowledge, the expertise required to actually carry out the methodology calculation to verify what you're doing. Okay. And and, and in terms of you know the practical, what what kind of reports they would have to give? Uh, I presume that simply uh, some kind of certification saying yes, I've made the calculation, I certify that for this particular investment, or when if you're talking about reporting this particular activity carried out by this company meets the thresholds. I think as simple, as simple as that. All right. Well, um, I, I want to us to shift gears slightly because I'm conscious of the time. And, um, uh, and you know, at the moment, given uh, where, where we are with um, petrol prices and everything, given um, the increase in, in the oil price, uh, I, I want to shift our focus away from from cars, but talk about other sort of transport fuels, such as um, maritime fuels or, or or sustainable aviation fuels that might fall within uh, the, the the taxonomy structure. So, um, can can I um, can I ask you to comment on those and and which of those might be sustainable or not? Yes. Those are, you know, covered by multiple regulation at EU level, and, and the name sustainable aviation fuel doesn't mean that you're automatically sustainable, <laughs> despite the name under the EU taxonomy. Um, and, and the answer to whether a given maritime fuel or a given aviation fuel 
uh, will be sustainable under the taxonomy um, really depends on the specifics. There's no, there's no you know, dedicated category for maritime fuel and aviation fuel under the taxonomy. So what you will have to do uh, is analyze them based on the production process and trying to um, assign them a given category such as, oh, actually this sustainable aviation fuel is a type of biofuel. It is a type of hydrogen-based fuel. And uh, th those will be the two main ones. So what you what you kind of can deduce from this is that, you know, any type of traditional aviation and maritime fuel, will, so the production thereof rather, again, focus on the activity, will not be sustainable on the EU taxonomy because you will not be able to um, try and, and link it to a sustainable activity that is listed. Um, but if if you're if you're talking about you know trying to produce biofuel for use in airplanes. Again, what you're actually talking about is producing biofuels. The fact that it's it's for use in airplanes um, kind of doesn't enter the picture. What you're really focused on is uh, what you're producing, how uh, the use part. Of, although it does, you know, it, it can sometimes play a role, is less emphasized by the EU taxonomy. Um, and and again, you know, because the, the landscape for maritime fuel and avian fuel is so varied, and, and we're we're running out of time, we won't have time to go through you know the deep list of criteria as we've done for, for natural gas, for example. Um, but what uh, a useful uh, a useful shortcut is to remember is that um, if you want your EU fuel to be compliant with the EU taxonomy, sorry, if you want your green fuel to be compliant with the EU taxonomy, um, you, you kind of have to, in any case, reach the level where it would meet the criteria under the Renewable Energy Directive. So if you're producing biofuel and you want it to be sustainable under the EU taxonomy, because for example, you want to improve you want you want to use you know green funds to fund the investment you will have to have also a certification on the, the renewable energy directive and in fact you will have to go slightly beyond because in most cases not all but most cases the EU taxonomy goes slightly beyond what you know eu law typically requires so for ex just to give you one example um if your production if your production process for biofuel Reaches the EU, uh, so the red, the red two requirements, the requirements of the Renewable Energy Directive. You still need to show on the new taxonomy that you have used um, sustainable CCS if you've used CCS. So, for example, on the red two, regardless of what carbon capture and storage you've used, that's fine as long as you know you you meet the um, greenhouse gas threshold, you're okay. On the new taxonomy, you not only have to reach that threshold, but you have to show yes, and on top of that my carbon capture in storage installation is also sustainable on the EU taxonomy, which kind of gives you some, some, you know, um, some kind of future-proof threshold. All right, if I'm not only good under the renewable energy directive, but also on the EU taxonomy, it's quite unlikely that EU law will change that much that you know, the, the, the rules will change on me and I'm no longer going to be able to benefit from you know, the EU status as a clean fuel. Okay. Well, um, William James, you're right. We, we're, we're running out of time, but that, that's really helpful as a summary, a summary in terms of, of I think, what you need to do uh, to, to have your, your fuel qualify. Uh, so I, it falls to me to say thank you for, for some helpful insights. And, um, and I, I kind of want to bring this back down to a, a few takeaways. And if I put those down as our top three takeaways, I think one, it's ensuring that the fuels that you sell are aligned on the EU taxonomy uh, and that they'll improve your and your client's reputation and access to green funds, and, and to a certain extent, the national subsidies in the EU. So that's takeaway number one if you're an energy company. 
Number two, it will be difficult, but, but not fully impossible uh, for activities linked to natural gas to qualify as sustainable under the EU taxonomy rules. Um, ensuring taxonomy alignment will surely provide a great boost to the reputation, for example, of gas projects. Uh, and, and three, uh, the taxonomy assessment of new types of emerging fuels, such as hydrogen and SAF is complex, but it provides an interesting guide on how to maximize the chances that your production process will be future-proofed from a regulatory perspective. Uh, so as a final point to conclude, this is the first of a number of uh, podcasts we are going to be holding. Uh, and we would encourage you to check out other episodes in this series of energy mining and infrastructure conversations uh, in which we hope to address a number of hot topics in the industry. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the door is always open, that virtual door at least. Uh, so please feel free to reach out to any of the members of the EMI team at Baker McKenzie for more insights and advice. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank <music> you.